You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Now, people often ask me, J. John, what do you do? And that's always very difficult to know what to say to people when they ask me that. Because if I say to people that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport and I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello. And I said, where are you going? She said, Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, I work for a global enterprise. She says, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She says, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals, hospices, homeless shelters, orphanages. We have food banks. We've got schools, colleges. We do reconciliation work. We do justice work. We do marriage work. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioural alteration. (laughs) She went, wow. And people turned around and looked at us. She goes, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. Have you heard of it? That's what we do. People within the church, what we do is transform people's lives, transform communities, transform all types of structures. That is what we do. Now, I began speaking to the lady and within a few minutes, it became very obvious that her understanding of Christianity was a misunderstanding. And I think that's true today for many people. Many people's understanding of Christianity is a misunderstanding. And uh, pastors Martin and Esther asked me this morning to come and explain to you what Christianity is. So that's what I'm going to do. The next 30 minutes, I'm going to explain what is Christianity for those of you here at the church and for all those of you that are tuned in online. And when I conclude after 30 minutes, if you would like to begin this journey of being a Christian, I will give you an opportunity to do that. For those of you in the church, I will ask you to stand up. For those of you at home, if you're standing up, I'll ask you to sit down or do something the opposite, you know, to express with the whole of your being, yes, I'd like to begin this journey as well. What is Christianity? There's a very famous verse in the Bible. It's located in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That one verse from the Bible sums up the essence of what Christianity is. Christianity is an invitation. 
Now, if you're anything like me, I am sure you appreciate invitations. I mean, even if you can't go, it's nice to be invited, isn't it? Isn't it? It's nice. When you get an invite to a wedding or something like a wedding, you get the invitation card, bottom of the card, you find the letters RSVP. Now, what do they stand for? Well, there was this German professor, and um, well, uh, he was a professor uh, here in England for a semester. And while he was here with his wife, he received a wedding invitation at the bottom of the card, RSVP. Now, they didn't have that code back in their country, so the professor was trying to crack the code. And then he says to his wife, yes, his wife said, what? He said, RSVP, remember some wedding present. <laughs> now, you and I, we know what those letters stand for, don't we? They're French, respondez s'il vous plaît, which basically means, are you going to come? And people put a date. So if you don't reply by the date, you can't go. Now, every single one of us here, those of you tuned online, we're all being offered the invitation, Christian invitation, today, RSVP, Sunday, the 5th of March, 2023. Now you're thinking, will I be offered it tomorrow? I don't know. You're like, what do you mean you don't know? Well, I, I actually don't know. Well, why don't you know? Listen, none of us can guarantee that we're going to be alive tomorrow. You see, that's why it's very important to reply to the invitation while you're still alive. Yeah. Now, when you get an invitation, there are three things you want to know. One, who's it from? Two, who is it? Two, three, what is it about? Okay, let me answer those three questions. Question one, who's it from? Back to the verse, for God. So it starts with God, G-O-D. Now, what does G-O-D mean? You see, that means different things to different people. Did you know that when the first Russian astronaut returned from space, first interview, first question, did you see God? He said, no, I did not. And the Soviet Union heralded this as proof that God did not exist. When the first American astronaut returned from space, first interview, fourth question, did you see God? He said, I would have seen God had I stepped out of my spacesuit. Pretty clever, actually, isn't it? No, but can you see how the American and the Russian had two different understandings of the word God? A little boy said to his mum, Mum, is God in the house? And the mother said, Yes, of course he's in the house. And the little boy said, Mummy, if God's in the house, is he in the kitchen? So the mother thought, well, if he's in the house, he's got to be in the kitchen, isn't he? Yeah, yes, he is, dear. So the little boy said, Mummy, if God's in the house and God's in the kitchen, you know the marmalade jar without the top on it, is he in the marmalade jar? <laughs> Go on then, what would you say? What would you say? What? Go on, some of you are saying yes. Oh, so when the kettle's boiling, God's in there having a sauna. No, you see, it's, it's just good to know what you believe, isn't it? 
So anyway, the mother thought, well, if God's in the house, God's in the kitchen, I suppose he is in the marmalade jar. And the little boy went, I've got him. <laughs> you see, a lot of people try to do that as if to say, you know, got him this. Look, God is unboxable. Today, too many, too many people ask the wrong questions. If you ask the wrong questions, you can never get the right answer. So the right question to ask is, has God spoken? Yes. And according to the Bible, God spoke in creation. In fact, the Bible says there is enough in creation for us to encounter the creator. But sadly, many people who enjoy creation aren't interested in the creator. But God has spoken through history. But God's greatest revelation of himself for all people, for all times, for all cultures was in Jesus Christ. The invitation is from him. Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the king of the entire cosmos. He's the king of the entire universe. Now, if you got invited by King Charles to go and have tea with him at Buckingham Palace, I bet you that you would tell everybody, even if it was inappropriate. You'd just slip it into conversation, wouldn't you? You'd, just, you, you, you'd go and buy a coffee from a coffee shop and you'd just, oh, by the way, I've been invited by King Charles. You know, have you? You know, you would just slip it. Why would you slip it in? Because it's the king. The king of kings of the entire universe is giving us an invitation. Well, all right, who to? For God so loved the world. The world, every one of us, whoever we are, background, color of our skin, culture, the invite is being issued to every single one of us. Now, not everybody acknowledges it. But just because we don't acknowledge it does not mean we're not being offered it. Okay, what is it about? Christianity is essentially about three things. Everything else in the Bible is what you call commentary and application. The three things. One forgiveness from the past. Do you agree with the following statement? There are problems in the world today. Do you agree with that? Of course there are. There are, there are problems globally, socially, domestically, personally. Now, many governments of the world, many social agencies, many charities are trying to alleviate the symptoms. If you try and alleviate the symptoms, you're always going to have the symptoms unless you deal with the root cause. So the big question is, what is the root cause of everything that's wrong in the world today? A mother said to her husband, darling, look after Annie for me, their little daughter. I need to get on. The father said, of course. He thought, what could he do to occupy his daughter? He's flicking through a magazine and he sees a map of the world. He says to his daughter, watch what I'm going to do. He cut the map of the world into small squares and he muddled the squares on the floor. 
He said to her, I want you to put the squares back together again, like a puzzle to make the map of the world. When you've done that, come and find me. So the father thought, well, that'll keep her busy. But a couple of minutes later, she said, Daddy, I've done it. He thought, well, she couldn't have done it, but let me have a look. Went to have a look. All the squares were put in exactly the right place. He said to her, how did you know where to put all the squares? Ah, she said, when you were cutting the map out, I looked on the other side and I saw a picture of a man and a woman. And I thought if I could put the man and the woman back together again, I could put the world back together again. You see, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. That's at the heart of everything that's wrong in the world today is the human heart. And the Bible says it is out of our hearts that come the seeds that pollute our lives and affect our lives and our relationships, our families, our communities. Let me illustrate it for you in a slightly different way. Just imagine you passed out of this life. This is just an analogy. You woke up in a gigantic theater. In front of you is a huge screen. All of a sudden, the doors open, an angel flies in, comes up to you and says, welcome to the theater of judgment. Relax. Watch the screen. There on the screen, you see your life. Everything you ever did here on earth, everything you ever said here on earth, and everything you ever thought, you see it on the screen. At the end of the film, as you're recovering, the angel comes back and says, relax, there's going to be a second showing. All the people who were featured in the film of your life are all waiting outside, and we're just going to let them in to view your life a second time. How would you feel if your life were judged on that basis? That is exactly how God judges us. But God does it in an instant. I don't know about you. Me, I would not want a private viewing. I don't need a private viewing, let alone a public viewing of my life. I don't need convincing that I've thought, said, and done things that I shouldn't have. And there are things... I should have done, but I didn't do. Now, a lot of people think that stuff on the film doesn't matter. It does. It disconnects us from God. And it works a bit like an overdraft in a bank account. If you have an overdraft, I have an overdraft. You can't help me. I can't help you. The only one who can help us is someone in credit. Jesus Christ was the only one in credit. Jesus came into this world to do something for us. My wife, Killy, and I, we have three sons. When our firstborn, Michael, he was about four years of age, he and I went to get his mum a Mother's Day present. And um, we lived in Nottingham at the time. And uh, we went into this one store 
And as we walked into the store, there was a big sign right in front of us. And the sign read, do not touch. All breakages must be purchased. Now, why didn't I just walk out? I mean, I've got a four-year-old, but not just a four-year-old. I'm a little bit clumsy. And, but there's something magnetic about those words, do not touch, isn't there? It's almost like you read them, do not touch, and they're like bullying you. They're like, I'll show you, do not touch. Anyway, we go into the store and, and, and I saw it from the corner of my eye as little Michael knocked over something and it felt like slightly slow motion as it fell to the ground. No! Smashed. The manager came out of nowhere, stood, pointed to the sign, do not touch, all breakages must be purchased. I said, I didn't do it. He did it. <laughs> and I thought, why don't I just walk out and leave him? Well, he can pay for it. I didn't do it. Why should I pay? He did it. Now, there was no way, was there, that four-year-old Michael could pay for the damages. Only his daddy could pay for the damages. There is no way that you and I can pay for all the damages. Only Jesus can pay for the damages. And that is exactly what he did. He came into this world to die upon the cross because by dying on a cross, it was as if he was cashing a check signed with his own blood to say, here is the check to clear your overdraft. There was an artist. He went back to the very, very small rural community where he was born and brought up. He's walking around some of the stores and there's an antique shop. He looks in the window. He cannot believe what he sees in the window. One of his paintings, it was a painting that he had painted years before he was famous. The frame was broken. The painting was dirty and scratched, but it was his. But he couldn't go into the store and say to the manager, hey, that's my painting, give it back to me. If he wanted it back, he had to buy it back before he could clean it, restore it, and reframe it. That's what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could be cleaned, restored, and reframed. I, I encountered the truth of this when I was a student in London. And I wasn't a Christian, but I met a Christian who gave me a Bible, and then on the 9th of February, 1975, uh, I, I prayed that I would know the reality of this. And the light came on. My mother said to me, you're brainwashed. And I said, mum, my brain has been washed. If you only knew, mum, what was in my brain, you'd be pleased it got washed. <laughs> and many of us here can testify to the truth of that. Forgiveness from the past. Secondly, new life here 
today. The word Christian has got the word Christ in it. If you remove the word Christ from the word Christian, you're left with I-A-N. Ian isn't going to help you. <laughs> now, I'm not saying Ian isn't a nice guy, and I'm sure if, you know, you've got a flat tyre or something, he'll help you change it, but he's not going to change your life and destiny. Too many people today in England pretend to be Christians, which I don't understand why. Why would I pretend to be a Christian when I could actually become one? You see, if you want to be a Christian, you've got to be connected to Christ. Now, think of your life for a moment like a car, okay? The car of your life. Using that analogy, to be a Christian means Christ is in your car. And so if Christ is not in your life, in your, the car of your life, I encourage you, invite him in. But I would imagine for the majority of us here, and those of you tuned in online, he's already in the car. Great, he's in the car of my life. Where is he? Where is he in the car of your life? Do you drive your car to church, unlock the boot, get Jesus out for religious happy hour? At the end of the service, get back in there. You know, some people express it just on a Sunday morning, but you would never know the rest of the week. Or is he on the back seat, a bit of a passenger? Or is he in the front passenger seat, a bit of a companion, but still a bit of a passenger? Or is he in the driving seat of the car of your life? Every one of you that thought, yes, he's in the driving seat of, the, of my life. One more question. Are you a backseat driver? The car gets to a roundabout. Jesus turns left. Where are you going? <laughs> I'm going down the road of generosity. I don't want to be generous. You know, it's very easy, isn't it, to say, oh, Jesus is in my life. Jesus is in my life. How do we know he's in the driving seat? How do we know he's first in our life? Well, take the word first, F-I-R-S-T. Ask five questions. Is he first, F, in my finances? I, is he first in my interests? R, is he first in my relationships? S, is he first in my schedule? T, is he first in my troubles? If you can say, oh, wow, he's first in my finances, interests, schedule, um, troubles, then, I mean, that is an incredible sign that he's first in your life. You see, when you've got Jesus in the driving seat of your life by his Holy Spirit, his Spirit will produce in you and through you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So another test would be, how fruity are you? If you're lacking love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, it probably indicates that you've got like a little red light flashing in your dashboard to let you know there's a blockage, there's a problem. You might need 
to reposition Jesus this morning. And so in a few minutes' time, some people are going to stand up and say, I want you to come in for the first time. But maybe some of you need to say, I'm going to stand up because I need to reposition Jesus. Forgiveness from the past, new life here today. Thirdly, a hope for the future. Back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We are being offered a hope for the future. A lot of people's hope is a bit like a hospital gown. You're usually not as well covered as you think you are. But in Jesus, we can have hope. Now, listen to what Jesus said. Okay, I'm quoting what he said that's recorded in the four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the, in the Bible. Jesus said this, Men and women are traveling along one of two roads. Men and women are serving one of two masters. Men and women are building their lives on one of two foundations. Men and women are going into one of two doors. Men and women are heading towards one of two destinies, heaven and hell. Why, why would Jesus say that? Unless it's true. There are two roads, there are two doors, there are two destinies. The good news of Christianity, because of what Jesus did for us, you and I can experience forgiveness from the past, new life here today, and a hope for the future. A hope. Do you, do you realize that our life here on earth is just a blip on the eternal screen. What is Christianity? In its simple form, it's an invitation. Who's it from? It's from Jesus, the King of Kings. Who's it to? You and me. What is it about? Forgiveness from the past? New life here today? hope for the future. RSVP. Responde s'il vous plaît. What have you done with your invitation? What would you like to do with your invitation? If you've accepted the invitation and Jesus is in the driving seat of your life, then you become the invitation. Whoever you interact with, wherever you go, you're, you carry this invitation and you allow others to know about the invitation. But if you haven't yet accepted the invitation, why don't you accept the invitation in a few minutes? Whether you're here in the church or online, why don't you accept the invitation? And for those of you that are here, I'm going to ask you to stand up in a moment. I'm not asking you to stand up to embarrass you. I, I would not want to do that. I, I want you to stand up here amongst 
many Christians in a church because if you can't stand up here, you'll never be able to stand up out there. And I want you to stand up here so that tomorrow you can stand up out there. Others of you, maybe you did accept the invitation, but you've shelved it. Maybe you got distracted, diverted, derailed, but you're here now or you're tuned in now. Why don't you say, I'm going to pick it back up? Maybe some of you, your invitation reply has been a bit penciled. Why don't you ink in your invitation? And then there are others of you. Maybe today you didn't realize it till you came or till you listened. Wow, I think I need to reposition Jesus. Why don't you stand up and say, I need, I need to do that today. Maybe I didn't realize that he's not really in my driving seat, but I want him in the driving seat of my life. When you're all standing, and those of you at home if, or tuned in wherever you are, maybe you could just take the next couple of minutes and just pause, whether you're prepping Sunday lunch or whatever it is you're doing, and, and just kind of engage in the next couple of minutes as to what you might need to do. But when you're standing up, what's going to happen is this. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer. When you've prayed that prayer, I'm going to say a prayer for you. And then you sit down. And then the church has a gift to give you. We want to give you a couple of things, uh, including a little book that I've written. They're going to give that to you um, as a gift. Um, and they're just wanting to encourage you in your journey of faith. And I also want to give you a little gift. I want to give everyone that stands uh, this wooden cross from Bethlehem made from olive wood. I want to give that to you. This is a gift from me to you as a little memento to remember today, the 5th of March, 2023. You stood, you prayed. That's what we're going to do. So in a moment, stand up. Now, don't just stand up because you want the wooden cross from Bethlehem. <laughs> you know, stand up and then I'll give you a cross. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we want to do. So why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? Just close your eyes for a moment. Those of you at home, just, just take a moment. Just maybe sit for a moment. Think about how what you've heard today relates to you. Do you need to accept the invitation? Do you need to ink it in? Do you need to come back after a period of absence? Do you need to reposition Jesus? And whether you're here in the church or at home, if you would like to say, yes, I would, Please stand up. Can you just stand up now, please? Just stand. Great. Wonderful. Great. Well done. Well done. Great. Thank you. Anyone else want to stand? Do, take this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity today. Wonderful. And those of you at home, 
If you're sitting down, stand up or the other way around. Just do something to indicate your response. Great. Just before I pray, anyone else? Okay. Can everyone else please stand? I really like doing this. You see, look what happened. When people first stood up, you know, you still feel slightly isolated. You still feel slightly, oh, wow, it's, it's a big step to do. But look what's happened. A couple of hundred other Christians have just stood up and said, we're standing with you. You're not standing alone. And we're going to stand with you in this journey of faith. I'm going to pray a prayer. I will pray the prayer line by line. I will pray it once so you know the words. The second time I pray the prayer, those of you that stood up initially, I really want you to pray this prayer out loud. But everyone else, why don't you join in and reaffirm your own faith? Here's the prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your invitation. Thank you, Jesus, for your invitation. I come to you now. I come to you now. Just as I am. Just as I am. I know I have done many things wrong. I know I have done many things wrong. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I accept your invitation. I accept your invitation. Cleanse my life. Cleanse my life. Set me free from the past. Set me free from the past. Fill my life with your Holy Spirit. Fill my life with your Holy Spirit. Come into the driving seat of my life. Come into the driving seat of my life. Fill me with your presence and your peace. Fill me with your presence and your peace. Help me from this day on. Help me from this day on to build my life on you. To build my life on you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Amen. A prayer for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I announce and I pronounce his forgiveness. May each one of you know his cleansing. May you know his presence, his peace and his power on you and in you and with you. And we pray for all of us here in the church, anyone online, that we would know his protection. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Just going to pray one more prayer before I hand back to Pastor Martin. The Jesus that we have sung about today and the Jesus that we have spoken about today is known by many, many different titles, including the King of Kings. But he's also known as the Great Physician. Now, we live in a world of miracle and mystery, but we know that Jesus wants us to reach out to him as the great physician. If you have a health concern of any kind or someone you love has a health concern, but they're not here, 
Put your hand, just put your hand on your heart. That means you're representing yourself or someone else. Jesus, we're asking you now as the great physician to release your healing presence. Where there is any disease, sickness and infection, we pray that you will flush it out of our bodies and out of the bodies of those people we're representing. Put your healing balm on us and them. Where there has been any kind of degeneration, we pray for regeneration and we pray for restoration. We speak health and wholeness and well-being. And we pray that you would grant us a tangible sign of your healing at work. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I just encourage you? You know, this is what we call the season of Lent um, that takes us all the way up to Easter Sunday. Uh, keep on praying for yourself and for others. You know, even symbolically, put your hand on your heart a couple of times a day and say, Jesus, release your healing balm on me or my friend or my relative or whatever it is. And um, for all those of you that did stand and pray and either receive Christ or reposition Jesus, wonderful that you've done that. And I know Pastor Martin will want to encourage you and say one or two things. But um, I hope that's inspired you today and I hope it's given you a faith lift. Thank you. Thank you.